Hey everyone, welcome to Poetry Says, episode 53. My name is Alice. Thanks so much for listening in. This was a really great chat that I had last night with uh, a London-based listener, Steve Wasserman, who is a psychotherapist and found my podcast just through the magic of iTunes. And since then, we've kind of been exchanging emails back and forth and getting to know each other a bit. And I'm interviewing Steve in this episode about a new project that he's decided to embark on. A very ambitious, very amazing project to memorize 52 poems in 52 weeks as a fundraising effort. Really, really incredible. Steve's decided to do this not only to raise funds, but also as he sees poetry having a kind of medicinal power, as he puts it, um, especially when it's memorized. So that process of memorization kind of taking you away from the churning of the mind that happens so often. So we talk a lot about memorization and the effects that it has. And we talk quite a bit about a poet who I haven't covered yet here, um, but who I really, really love, Wallace Stevens. So if you're a Stevens fan, I think you'll get a lot out of this one. In talking about memorization too, we talk a little bit about those poems that are kind of embedded in the national psyche. And that leads me predictably enough to Dorothy McKellar's My Country. But in listening back, I realized that I, I made these statements there about the fact that, oh, everybody knows this poem, when in fact, of course, that's really not true. People living in Australia, there are many, many more who don't know that poem and for whom that poem has very little meaning than there are who have it kind of memorized. So that said, I think you'll get a lot out of this one if you're interested in any kind of mindfulness practice. Again, if you're a Stevens fan and if you're interested in trying to memorize your own work, perhaps some of the ideas here about how to live with a poem, how to get it into your body, I think are really useful. So enjoy. So I don't usually do this, but I wanted to start by asking you to describe where you are and what it's like there today. Nice, yeah. So I am sitting in my lounge, which also um, I use as a consulting room um, for, for the work I do when I see patients. At the moment, though, it does not look very much like a consulting room because I have been on holiday for a couple of weeks. And when I am on holiday, basically, I turn into a sort of teenage slob. Um, and so, the, so I'm actually surrounded by clutter. It's not a great feeling. I don't like being surrounded by huge amounts of clutter and unwashed coffee cups and things like that. But um, unless I'm actually having people coming to me um, as patients, I, I turn into this slob. Um, so that's where I'm sitting. But outside, it is a lovely day. And I can sort of, if I turn around, I can see the garden. What about you? Yeah, I'm kind of the same, actually. So it's it's night here. It's nighttime in Melbourne. It's a very Melbourne-ish evening, by which I mean it's cold and rainy. Um, Lovely. 
<laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm the same. I kind of had a week where I was by myself and, yeah, just the the clutter just piled up and I sort of had to take myself in hand yesterday and just be like, look, do some washing up, for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting scary. <laughs> Um, yeah. Yeah, so now it's a little bit recovered, but do, with with you, do you feel like that's a sign that you're doing lots of like higher level thinking, or is it just you're super relaxed? Yeah, it's it's when I get very. So there's a couple of projects I'm working on at the moment, and it's basically when I go into my own like uh, dream world, my own dream space, I suppose, um, where I'm sort of thinking or writing, or whatever. Um, I I literally can't can't and won't care about um <laughs> about the logistics um you know so i sort of you know i uh, yeah you know just everything goes a little bit by by the by which is why i'm so grateful um for for, for a number of reasons also for clients um coming around every day because i have to keep the place tidy and clean and welcoming for them, for them as much as anything yeah that is one of the one of the many benefits i'm sure yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'll invite people around, thinking if I do that, then I'll have to clean. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tidy up. Yeah. That's right. We need we need those external uh, incentives, don't we? Those uh, otherwise we can kind of I think get a bit lost in our own worlds, both both in a good way, a lovely way, because I've been lost in a lovely way over the last week, but also sometimes in a quite chaotic way too. Yeah. Yeah. So fairly egotistically, I wanted to ask you about how you actually came across Poetry Says. Um, you're the second yes. listener that I have interviewed, which is really lovely. Um, and you're also somebody who articulated what the name of my podcast meant to me. Almost mm. a year after I had chosen it, you said, where prose fails, poetry says. And I was like, that is it. <laughs> That's what I meant. <laughs> Could be your so strapline. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, um, the way I found you is because I am such a poetry nut. I um, occasionally, on my kind of podcast um, app, I will just do every single possible search that I possibly can with poetry. You know, poetry, poem, uh, poetics, whatever. And anything that I find, I'll obviously subscribe to and listen to. So it was simply just me typing in variations on the word poem, poetry, poet. Um, and I came across you and I was like, oh, my God, this is this is a, a treasure trove. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, that was kind of what I thought when I named it. I was like, it better have the word poetry in it because what if someone just yeah. does a random search? Because I do that too. Um, yeah. And I know that there are other podcasts out there that don't have poetry in the title, but we can't find them. Guys. That's right. Where are That's you? That's right. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a podcast I found recently by a guy called Brian Blanchfield. I think it's called Swan and something or other. And not only is it not, it's not even in the Apple's, it's not an Apple's store one. So you can't find it when you do your normal search. It's on um, SoundCloud or something, but it's fantastic. It's him um, interviewing poets and talking and reading some poems and playing music um, and it's just a fantastic, fantastic thing. And it's done to an, an exceedingly high standard. But 
it doesn't have the word poetry anywhere in the title, even though that's essentially what it is. Mm. <laughs> so very, very hard to find. And you have your own podcast as well. Tell us about that one. Yes. So this is Read Me Something You Love, which has been on a little bit of a hiatus recently, but is um, sort of back and back with a back with a bang, um, hopefully. Um, and, and I would say actually back with a bang, partly th or maybe even wholly thanks to you, because I think listening to some of your particularly kind of poetry podcasting and listening to you talking, particularly talking about poems and having the kinds of conversations about poems that I really like, which are not over academic conversations, but quite heartfelt, meaningful conversations with some of your guests. It really got my kind of podcasting juices going again. So um, I've started I what I would call my kind of season two of Read Me Something You Love, which um, is going to be all poetry. And the, uh, the format for season two is somebody I like um, comes along, they read me a poem that they love, we talk about it. I then read them a poem that I love and we talk about it. And then finally, if they're a poet, uh, which quite often they are, um, I, they read a poem of theirs that I love and we talk about it. And that so is cool. read me something you love. Yeah, it's really fun to do. I mean, the, the editing is a hassle, as you probably know. <laughs> That's not the fun part. But the conversations, I, I live for those conversations. They're wonderful. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow, that's pretty cool to think that this podcast has spurred off your podcast. It's a revolution. It is. It it's here. a revolution in poetry podcasting. <laughs> I love it. You know, more the more... The more, the merrier, that's I say, right. the, more, the absolutely more, the merrier. I yeah, can't, right. you know, I can't, I can't have enough of them. But um, there's so much pleasure in being invited to have a conversation, particularly about a poem. I mean, a book as well, but just to have that yes. space, just have somebody to invite you to come and just talk about this one thing that you're just geeking out about. So, yes. so fun. Um, there's, there aren't that many opportunities for that because usually what it is is, you're hanging out with a, a friend or a family member and saying to them, oh, I'm reading this book, it's really amazing. And they're mm. kind of looking at you, but you know they're thinking about work or something else and they're just like trying Absolutely. to nod at the right time so that they can get back to what it was they were doing. So, yeah, these are... Yes, and you, and you would love them... Um, to be as caught up in the excitement of this thing that you're excited about. And that's the wondrous, the wondrous thing about a poem, because even if somebody hasn't read the poem, you could sit down with them and say, hey, this is a poem I love. Let's look at this together. Um, and by starting to delve into the poem, tussle with the poem, wrestle with the poem, um, kind of get confused by the poem together, um, you both of you start to get more and more excited about the poem as well. You start to sort of, you, you, the poem sort of lights, lights up something between the two of you. This is, this is what I often find. Yeah, you both get invested, um, even if you're completely yes. confused by it. There's like, a, the, there's a, yes. you both have a stake in it at a certain yes. point. Yeah. 
Mm. Yeah. Well, it's been it's been really nice to prepare for this conversation because you've brought me back to Wallace Stevens. And mm. um, I've just been sitting here for the last hour watching this very charming, um, maybe 1980s documentary, TV documentary about Stevens and just remembering all these ways in which he's been so important to me. But I had just kind of left him by the wayside for maybe the better mm. part of a year. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I was just having mm-hmm. all these kind of remembrances like in the poetry says banner there, the poem that you can see my cat Millie sitting on is Large Red Man Reading, which is a Stevens poem. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh-huh. a really mysterious Stevens poem that um, the Al Filaris and the modern contemporary American poetry team do a great mm. close reading of. So I will definitely link to that if people are interested. But yeah, there's that one, The Snowman, also incredible. The idea of order at Key West, um, yes. Sunday morning, yes. all these poems that I just kind of they they'd gone into the bottom drawer, and now I'm just mm. like, ah, oh, yeah, Stevens, what what yeah. should I do with him? But the the poem that you um, nominated, and we'll, we'll have to explain the project that that we're talking about here, but um, that you nominated to memorize, final soliloquy of the interior paramour is uh, got me yeah. completely stumped. So I'm looking forward to talking about it with you. But why don't we yes. um, Why don't we talk a little bit about the memorization project that you're doing? Yeah, that would be great. I'd love to also have possibly the opportunity to, to try and recite a bit of the poem. Yeah. Um, at some point, yeah, as it. much as I as much as I can stumble through at the moment i'm in a bit of a, stu- a stumbling through phase with this poem i'm yeah. finding it quite quite a challenge um even though i've been working on it quite <laughs> seriously for the last week um but 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 yeah um but let's let's talk a little bit about the, the by by hearting the the by hearting thing um and then we can maybe talk a bit about the poem yeah that sounds good so the by heart uh thing is so this poem is one of the poems that i'm learning for a project i've just launched myself onto called 52 poems in 52 weeks where i am trying to learn as the name suggests 52 poems in 52 weeks 52 poems i love 52 poems that i need that i feel i need as a kind of poetic medicine for myself but also the idea behind it is to try and also do it as a bit as a fundraiser. So I'm trying to raise some funds for a, um, a charity in Kenya called the Safe House Education Fund, which um, provides education for um, uh, young Maasai girls and also provides a safe house for them, particularly when girls who are kind of uh, threatened by FGM and um, early childhood marriage. Um, and so this is a cause that I, I feel really um, passionate about and it just felt like a good way to kind of combine the two. Wow, that it's a massive project, 52 poems in 52 weeks. And then yeah. is there a point at the end where you will... I mean, it'd be a marathon to recite them all in order. That's not, that's not the goal. That's right. It? That is the goal. That I mean, is the, goal the goal is absolutely the goal is to get all 52 poems, not just because, I mean, 
with a bit of effort, one can get a poem more or less into one's heart and one's head, I would say, in a week. But the goal is to not just get the poems into my heart, but to get them absolutely tattooed there so that I would, at the end of the project, be able to and will indeed um, recite all 52 in one steady stream, <laughs> steady, possibly, possibly boring stream. Um, but but uh, but anyway, you could kind of like I'll probably do this online. Um, you, you know, uh, you could kind of come in and out as you wish. But one steady stream, because what I would really love at the end of the year is to have those fifty-two poems there with me that I can access whenever I need them. I love that. I mean the. The Herculean task of it is is amazing, but I also love the idea of them being, as you say, like tattooed on you, so that you can just at any point, you can just call yeah. up, you know, some Stevens or what? What are some of the other poems that you've learned so far? So far, well, this is my third week. So first week I did a W. S. Graham poem called "What Is the Language Using Us For," which is one of my all-time favorites and I think it also sort of sets the tenor as it were a little bit for the project. I did a, a fantastic poem by a young um, a poet called Mary Jean Chan um, uh, uh, called Self Portrait. I did that last week. This week is Final Soliloquy and next week I am doing a Max Ritfo poem. I don't know if you know Ritfo um, who died uh, very sadly passed away a year ago at the age of 25. Um, an an amazing, po amazing poet after struggling with, um, struggling with cancer uh, um, uh, for a number of years. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm doing his, his poem next, next week as a, as a sort of in memoriam Max um, poem because he, he literally passed away uh, a year ago. Um, uh, last, last last August, uh, so that's that's as uh, and then I'm not sure the rest. Uh, I'm kind of the way I'd like to do it is choosing poems as I go along, really going by what I feel I kind of need, the sort of medicine that I need for myself at any given week or any given time. Um, that will be the the criteria for choosing the poems. I think. That's really amazing. I'm interested in this idea of poetry as medicine, and I kind of instinctively know what you mean, but I, I want to yeah. draw you out on that and get you to um, explain how you understand that working. Yeah. Well, <sighs> it's such, I think it's such a complex and magical and mystical thing but I suppose I can kind of talk about it in a in a quite a nuts and bolts way particularly with my background as a as a psychotherapist um, I think I mean I have a number of ideas about how poetry poetry is medicine but one of them is that I think poetry or certainly a poem that is learnt, not just read. I think read is one thing, but I think a poem that is learnt by heart. I think it works in the way that um, every therapist and maybe every client would like to believe, but often finds is not the case, would like to believe that CBT, something like CBT works, or therapy in general. What I mean by that is that 
when we when we learn a poem when we struggle with a poem when we say a poem to ourselves and we kind of wrestle with it and tussle with it um hundreds and hundreds of times because you need to do so hundreds maybe even thousands of times um whatever the wisdom or the learning or the uh i don't know sanctity the healing maybe the healing that is in that poem i feel that that is transmitted it is transmitted in the way that it actually um uh kind of changes our neurophysiology i mean because it's actually working at a synaptic level right in the sense that you you you're saying these lines again and again and again and again and they're going in and when i think about cbt i mean cbt is one of the models i use one of the ideas behind cbt is that you work with thoughts and beliefs and you sort of fiddle or <laughs> reframe or um discuss or manipulate some of those um but the reframing probably needs to be done a million times before there's actually any change occurs within us at a at a at a deep physiological level and what i find with in terms of pure therapy um is that very often most people and i would include myself in that we we don't really have the um energy to do that reprogramming um in the sort of cbt format yes yeah, especially um, the, in times the, of stress right like you've got all these cbt yeah. strategies that you're yeah. like oh yeah i know not to you know when yeah. when my mom yeah. says this i know not to think that she means that That's But right. Then, yeah. You know. It's like all it's like oh okay that's a cognitive bias. Let me try and think it that way. But I think and this is where I think CBT is deeply flawed and although it's the ra 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 of um our current health um the mental health system um I I you know I I actually think most of the time it doesn't work and I think most of the time it doesn't work is because it's kind of a bit boring. um it's kind of a bit of a chore to have to continually return to one's um sort of negative automatic thoughts and reframe them um whereas in the poem as long as you have a poem that actually has in it the uh, some kind of healing essence um the returning and the the returning to the wisdom of the poem when you learn it um means that the the medicine will kind of go in whether you whether you want it to or not it will just do its thing is there something in there too about giving your mind something other than that constant churning of negative thoughts to oh, totally, chew yeah. on um, oh totally yeah. absolutely yeah absolutely that that's the other thing the the learning So I think that's the sort of under the bonnet the all the stuff I've just said is kind of the under the bonnet um kind of uh, neurophysiological side of it but on a very simple practical basis um we know for a fact that churning over and over again the same worried thoughts the same worried ideas they cut a very toxic 
um, and um, damaging sort of track in, in, I mean, literally in the brain and in the body. And to be learning a poem um, as a sort of, as a distraction, as a comforting, as a, as a sort of a self-regulation mechanism, as an emotional regulation mechanism, um, offers us something else to do. But it also, it, again, I don't think it's just a simple kind of reprogram your mind thing. I think because when you're saying the poem, you're using breath, you're using body, you're using voice, I think it works in a very, very deeply, um, kind of a very, almost a biological way. Um, it's, it's a very profound thing. I don't, I, and which I think also Stevens touches on in this poem. I think this poem touches on or speaks to that. It's, it's, it's something, it's almost impossible to put words, I think, to the healing of a poem because it's, because it's, um, it transcends words. It's mm. some, it's, it's, it, it becomes a kind of, it becomes, it becomes a kind of, almost like a kind of, some kind of transmission, which um, I don't have words for, but I, but I know it works. I yeah. absolutely know it works. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there is, there has to be a healing in them, right? Because they're what we turn to when things get really dark and confusing. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a line in this, in this poem that really spoke to me just in light of, you know, reading the news today. So, yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you want to have a go at reciting it now? Let's, let's do that. Um, I, I might pause a bit and I might repeat the odd line because when I, when I do, when I've only got the poem sort of halfway there into what Kim Rosen, I mean, Kim Rosen is really my go-to um, on, on all of this. Kim Rosen is the, the, the poet and... Uh, uh, by heart poem educator who wrote the book Saved by a Poem, which I would really recommend if anyone's interested in this. I would I would just basically say buy Kim Rosen's Saved by a Poem book, um, which is uh, the 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 subtitle of that is the transformative power of words, um, and and in this she also talks about the different kind of chambers of the heart, the different chambers of memory. And so at the moment, I've got the poem in, in my, what, I would, what she would call the kind of the third chamber, which is that it's sort of there. And if I kind of close my eyes, I can probably, as you'll hear, probably recite it. But, I, but I, it's nowhere near to being in the fourth chamber, which is where it's deeply, deeply tattooed in, inside you. It's, it's literally part of your living, breathing um, sort of body mass. So... So that's where I've got this poem at the moment. So I, I might stumble a bit uh, and I might repeat the odd line. Um, so if you'll just be a bit patient with me. Um, oh, absolutely. We'll, no, we'll I give, appreciate we'll give, we'll you going go. yeah. for it. All right. Okay. So here we go. <clears throat> the one thing I don't have memorized is the actual title. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's a, it's uh, a crazy one too. <laughs> so I'm not going to do the title. I'm just going to go straight into it. Yeah. All right. Okay. <clears throat> light the first light of evening, as in a room in which we rest. And, for small reason, think the world imagined is the ultimate good. This is therefore the intensest rendezvous 
It is in that thought that we collect ourselves out of all the indifferences into one thing. Within a single thing, a single shawl, wrapped tightly round us since we are poor, a warmth, a light, a power, the miraculous influence. Um, here, now, we forget each other and ourselves. We forget each other. Here, now, we forget each other and ourselves. We feel the obscurity of an order, a whole, the knowledge. No, we feel the obscurity of an order, a whole, a knowledge, that which arranged the rendezvous within its vital boundary in the mind. We say God and the imagination are one. How high that highest candle lights the dark. Out of this same light, out of the central mind, we make a dwelling in the evening air, in which being there together is enough. Wow. That was amazing. It's, it's, such a, it's, such, it's such an incredible poem. It's that such an incredible poem. It is insane. I don't know how you did that. I was reading it along with you going, yes, yes, that's it. Oh my <laughs> God, I can't believe Like, it's so long and there's nothing to hold on to with this poem. It's one of those oh, it is, Stevens-ish it's, circular, it's, everything oh. points back to everything else. Like, what is, a challenge. I, I, I have spent at least, at least about 15 hours, 15 or 20 hours learning this poem. And, and even last night, I was walking the dog and I was thinking, right, I'm speaking to Alice tomorrow. I'm going to try and recite the poem. I've got to get it sort of, you know, more or less in there. And like halfway through this walk, I couldn't even remember the sec. Occasionally, you know, like the second line of the poem would just suddenly go. And it's... It's so, it's sort of, it's a really frustrating, but also a very, very, um, a very focusing activity. I mean, he says in the poem, this is therefore the intensest rendezvous. It is in that thought that we collect ourselves out of all the indifferences into one thing. And I, and whenever I, I would learn that and say that, I would think, yes, this is also what learning poetry is about. It is the intensest rendezvous. It is the most intense moment you can possibly have. It's, it's the same intensity as when you are, if you are a writer, probably when you're writing or when you're having sex or it's, it's that kind of intensity or when you're meditating, if you're really with the breath. It's the intensest rendezvous and that's what also makes it so magical. I still don't know how you've done that, though. I mean, there's just there's just nothing that, that I mean, there's just nothing to hold on to in this poem. Um, I can imagine I, I mean, forgetting uh, the second did you, line. Did you have a Did you have a go? Did you Did you try a, a couple of lines yourself? Look, I was just intimidated. What I did do was I listened to Stevens read it, and um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I looked around for some other recitations, but I couldn't find any others. And then I got distracted by that documentary. But um, yeah, yeah, because I, I thought, okay, well, I need to know how he 
read this and it was just like you did it. I don't know if you've listened to him. Oh, okay. But it... I, that's interesting. Why why would you feel you need you need to know because I I deliberately stayed away. I haven't I I've seen that he he reads it online. I deliberately stayed away from how he read it. Um um because you know, I kind of wanted to make it mine. I suppose it's a bit like I don't know. It's, it's a bit like I suppose if you're a pianist and you're preparing um, a certain piece of music, you maybe might not want to, want to listen to how another pianist has interpreted it because you kind of don't want, you, you, you want it to become yours. Why did you feel you needed necessarily to have Stephen's, imp Stephen's imprint on it? Well, I, I think I was approaching it a little bit like learning a song and I wanted Aha. to hear it. I wanted to hear okay. the rhythm of it. And, and I do right. play piano and I, I will tend to go and listen to recordings first so that I have that in my brain. Because there's something about um, just listening to rhythm and, and, and melody that, that really clicks with me. And so I yes. can listen to people speaking and kind of hear the melody in that as well, I guess. So I just, yeah, yes. I was looking for a foothold of any kind, essentially. <laughs> yeah. but there were, I mean, I would, yeah. I, would, I, would, I would recommend if you are learning possibly, I mean, this is what I found works best for me. You know, I mean, it it's, works best for me. I would say really really see if you can just take the poem um kind of in the raw um because what i find happens and I, this might just be for me but i, I would imagine it, it happens for other people as well is that the poem sort of starts to dictate the rhythms that or rather the poem and the and and your breath and your body and your rhythms they start at some point gelling together and working together and so the poem starts to dictate a certain rhythm as you say the lines again and again and again you know kind of like a mantra and you will start to find that or i start to find that there'll be certain lines that i'll think right i'm going to say them this way and the poem actually says no you're going to say them this way because when they start to go in when they start to become metabolized the line sort of says to you okay this is what i want to do inside your body this is what i want to do with your voice so for example until I had that last line actually metabolized within me, I was saying it completely differently. I was saying something like, we, um, you know, we make a dwelling in the evening air in which being there together is enough. And, but when I started actually learning the line, the line itself started saying to me, I mean, it sounds crazy, but the line itself basically said to me, no, I want you to put a stress here. I want you to say, I want you to put the stress on the being. Um, I want you to say, you know, in which being there together is enough. Mm. Um, and it was almost like I had no choice. <laughs> I sort of, I sort of had to do it the way the poem, the poem, well, it was, a, it was a negotiation. Let's put it that way. It was a negotiation between me and the poem. And we agreed that it would sound good <laughs> if we did it that way. <laughs> yeah. And other, if you don't listen to that instinct, then it's never going to actually connect. You're never going to actually be able to commit it yeah. to memory i imagine because you're constantly having that little fight in your mind about where does the stress That's go right. on this line yeah it's yes. just got to be really comfortable i imagine yes yeah, yeah. So, yeah so i didn't yeah, get very far I mean, with it but um there were a couple of I, lines that really jumped out at me and i thought oh, I yeah tell me yeah. about tell me about those lines which lines really spoke to you well definitely uh start of the um 
the fourth stanza here now we forget each other and ourselves mm. um mm. i mean obviously like everyone else i've just been riveted to yet more news out of america this week and yeah just looking oh, at yes. um all that and just yeah here now we forget each other and ourselves i thought i interpreted that in terms of you know people forgetting each other's humanity but i can see also there is um yes there yes. is a way there's a totally opposite and much more positive way to interpret that line which is here now um in this in this moment the where the indifference comes into one thing um you forget ourselves we forget each other we're just all kind of connected so yeah mm. it's a typical that's, stevens that's... line with about seventeen thousand interpretations absolutely i mean <laughs> i love i love your um, I love your slant on it because when I was le- when I was learning it, um, I suppose my my because I was so because th- I was kind of thinking about this poem as a kind of a prayer and thinking I also need this poem. I need a I need a prayer like this in my life at the moment. I need this um, room in which I can rest and for small reason you know even just for five minutes or ten minutes think the world imagined is the ultimate good which i which i think is also the space of meditation i know that that we both have some kind of um, sort of meditation practice going um and and so that we forget each other and ourselves i think that for me that's also the the goal as it were of of some kind of spiritual practice, of some kind of meditation practice, that we need to step out of the hurly-burly, the, the the chaos of the world for 10 minutes in order to regroup, in order to collect ourselves out of all the indifferences, as he says, um, so that we can then go back into the chaos, refreshed with our humanity, as it were, um, recharged and reconnect um, with humanity, with the world. But I love your sense of it as well, that maybe we need to do that because quite often we, <laughs> in our mindless kind of ways and in our in mindless, indifferent kind of ways, we also, we, we, in a mindless way, we forget each other and ourselves, right? We can forget each other and ourselves in a mindful way, in a meditative way, but we can also forget each other and ourselves in a, in a sort of mindless self Focus, self-obsessed way. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. He's just—you just can't pin him down, can you? And and you don't want to either. <laughs> no. Oh no. Yeah. Oh, he's. Uh, it's just so. It's so so rich, which is, which is why, I would say, don't be intimidated by learning a poem like this. You know, even if it takes you, even if it takes you a month to commit to memory it's so worth it's so worth having it there in in your heart and in your soul um because there are times when we need there are many times in our lives when we need poems like this you know um you know sitting in the dentist's waiting room is where I for example is one place that comes to mind I mean I'm petrified of dentists as like a lot of people yeah me too I need to go to I need to go go and have some I need to go I haven't I've stayed away for about five years I can't stay away any longer I need to go to the dentist in the next month I'm gonna have to go and sit you know knees um knocking in the dentist's waiting room and um 
you know, a poem like this would be really, really good to have uh, for all sorts of reasons. And it's and it's it's so worth the effort of of memorizing to to have it. Yeah, <laughs> to have it, to yeah. have it with you when you need it. I absolutely know what you mean. I mean, I don't have whole poems. I have one whole poem, which is a short one by okay. Sid, Sid Corman that I do know off by heart. But um, and I know oh, little that's bits lovely. of Whitman. Would, would you like? Would you? Would you? Would you? Would you be willing to share that one? Oh, sure. Yeah, <laughs> I just mentioned. I'd it, love to hear thinking, that. I'd you know, it's not that. that I thought you'd ask me to do it, but here I go. <laughs> um, Please. Yeah, so Sid Corman, so this is the one that they do at the end of Mod Po when everyone's all teary and, you know, the course is ending and stuff. And I don't think it has a title, but if it has one, it's called It Isn't For Want. And it just yeah. goes, it isn't for want of something to say, something to tell you, something you should know, but to detain you, keep you from going, feeling myself here as long as you are as long as you are and they play that recording of Steve oh reading man, it. that's fantastic it's so good isn't it and he reads it and at the end he says as long as you are and everyone's like oh my god <laughs> so cool, man. um yeah it's really crazy but uh i don't know i don't know the poem i don't know the poet i'm gonna go and i'm gonna go and add that to my 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 long list of um poems in my poetry pharmacy that I need to uh, I, I need to learn wow that's that's beautiful that's absolutely beautiful he's he's yeah he's a champ my dad actually asked me last week so who's your favorite poet then I was like oh well if I have to choose a favorite it'd probably be Sid Corman but I don't want to choose a really? favorite but um <laughs> who is Sid Corman I don't even know this man uh Sid Corman <laughs> was uh, he died in 2004 he was a, an American poet who lived in Kyoto for about 20 25 years Right. Um, yeah, so kind of left America, married a Japanese woman and went and lived over there, but still stayed really connected to the poetry community, which is a pretty big achievement, I think, um, and wrote these poems that were kind of just like a lot like, you know, um, calligraphic strokes, mm. you know, just kind of like very short, one idea, and they appear completely natural and instantaneous but you know that you know years have gone into them kind of thing mm. so yeah he's pretty great but um brilliant yeah i, I am i'm actually after our conversation i'm actually on my way because it's my holiday i'm going to i'm heading off to the the poetry library um in london at the, the south bank um, this oh, really? afternoon and oh, i cool. and i am going i will go and um find um, some Sid Corman and uh, and 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 look him up. Oh, uh, that's, awesome! It's, uh, sounds great. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, that's nice to think that you get to go there this hour. Um, but yeah, so I have I have that poem and I have a few lines that I feel I can draw yeah. on. And one of them, I always forget whether it's Marianne Moore or Elizabeth Bishop. I'm ninety nine percent sure it's Marianne Moore, but um, mm. she has a line. I hope this is right. That is, it, it is human nature to stand in the middle of a thing. And um, mm. my partner and I will quote that to each other because, you know, if, if you're like standing in a gallery looking at a painting, someone comes and stands right in front of you or like, you know, you're in a queue and someone comes and like takes mm. your place. It's that like, you know, you can feel so 
angry and frustrated and like, how mm, dare you? Mm, and then Marianne Moore comes to me and it's just like, it's human nature absolutely. to stand in the middle of the thing. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah. And, and this is the other thing about po poetry in general, but also learning these poems, right? Is that I do believe that poems, poems are prayers, you know, as Wallace Stevens says, uh, we say God and the imagination are one, how high that highest candle lights the dark. And I believe that they are, you know, repositories of the, the, our best and most profound human, existential, psychological, spiritual wisdom. Um, and, and so in imbibing that in, 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 you know, I mean, I'm starting to sound a little bit like a sort of fundamentalist, you know, sort of a religious nut here. But I think, right. there's a, I, I think there's a reason for that. I think there is a crossover there. In imbibing that, in learning those prayers, um, those prayers those prayers are there. Those prayers are there for us. They are. They are literally sitting in the prefrontal cortex to bring it. Bring in some science. Um, they're sitting in the prefrontal cortex so that when the emotional brain is, as you say, um, kind of getting upset or uptight or scared or whatever, um, the poem that is deeply tattooed and lodged in the prefrontal cortex kind of goes, hello, mm, mm. <laughs> remember me? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I guess, yeah, as Australians, we, as a nation, we have one poem by um, a poet called Dor Dorothea McKellar, and I can hear my Australian listeners groaning at me. Yes, I'm going to go there. But um, there is, there is <laughs> well, a I poem. Don't, I don't, another poet I don't know. So brilliant. It's perfectly fresh to me. <laughs> uh, okay. So it's a pretty cringeworthy poem, and it's all very problematic because of all its like extreme colonialist issues. Right. But it describes, you know, the country of Australia. And everybody, I swear, that you meet will be able to say to you, I love a sunburnt country, a land of sweeping plains, of ragged mountain ranges, of droughts and flooding rains. Um, everyone can do at least those four lines. It's like the anthem in some yes. ways. Yes. And it's yes. funny because it's like it's kind of shaped the way that we see, um, that we understand our the country that we live in. Um, I always think of it, this is such a weird thing, Thing. I haven't actually articulated this to anyone, but she says in that poem, you know, the country is sunburnt, there's droughts, there's flooding rains, and um, she's acknowledging all these extreme weather events, but she wrote it, you know, over 100 years ago, and since mm -hmm. then, weather events have gotten more and more and more extreme, and I kind of feel like my country has now become almost like an excuse like oh it's okay don't worry about all the flooding remember it's in our national mm. poem it's meant to be like this mm. <laughs> so mm. yeah i don't know it's a complicated one with that poem but that is tattooed on all of our our hearts and yeah. bodies and minds i think just just as a nation and i guess yeah in, in england there's so many poems like that right like there are absolutely yeah. You know, Rudyard, Rudyard Kipling's If yep. um, is like something like that. And, and isn't it wonderful? And this is, again, the, the, wonder, the wonderful kind of almost secular humanist power of poetry as opposed to, let's call it, organized religion um, and, and um, nationalism, that one can then also, you and I, can choose the anthem that we want to be our 
as it were, our national anthem. I mean, on the subject of anthems, I was actually thinking in terms of, I kept on hearing, in fact, um, when I was learning this poem, I kept on hearing in the back of my mind, Leonard Cohen's um, fabulous anthem. Um, uh, you know, the birds they sang at the break of day, start again, I heard them say, don't dwell on what has passed away or what is yet to be. Um, you know, the one about the, 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 the forget your perfect, offering there is a crack in everything that's how mm. the light gets in mm. you know that that mm -hmm. fantastic one um and i and i don't know why I, that that sort of felt connected in some way to the stevens but when you were talking about anthems i also i suddenly thought as well you know um i would so love if whenever i'm called upon thankfully you know not very often other than in the last night of the proms or something like that to sing the national anthem wouldn't it be great <laughs> if instead we could sing leonard cohen's anthem oh that would be great. um yeah. <laughs> that would be that would be my if i had to choose a national anthem it would be something like that that would be really amazing yeah yeah and god knows you know over here we're in dire need of a, a new anthem <laughs> so badly oh, what what is what 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 is the australian national anthem what what are some of the some of the the lines uh, well, of the australian national okay anthem? so there are so many lines i could pick out to just like stomp on but the one that um upsets me the most is we've boundless planes to share and this is coming from a country that just treats newcomers like garbage, you know, treats them mm. like criminals, like literally as criminals, locks them up on offshore islands. And uh, mm. I, I just think it is so deeply ironic that people stand <laughs> up at the, at the start of sporting events, you know, yeah. um, and, and seeing that. And it just, yeah, it, uh, oh, there's so many things with it. It's, and it's a dirge, like all anthems, it's a dirge. So... Yeah. Yeah. And and super and 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 extra ironic as well that um that the which of course is what happens with all of us is that the the let's call it the ex criminals the once 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 they were two criminals once they were two immigrants are now treating like criminals the new immigrants, right? Yep. <laughs> it's like well past <laughs> ironic and just into head in hand. Which of territory. course is which of course is happening, you know, big time um, in this country and and even more so, of course, in 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 the good old US of A at the moment, yeah. right? Is that all you know, a whole country of immigrants um, you know, even more so than 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 the UK have has suddenly become um, a country of xenophobes, or you know, it's it, it certainly that politically has become inc incredibly xenophobic. It's ah, it's sad. Yeah. The volume's sad. been turned up way way up. How does it yeah. feel in London now? Because I was there around this time last year, and has it been about a year since the Leave vote? Yeah. 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 So how does it feel now? Because it felt very tense, I thought, when I was there. I think it's still, I think it still does feel very tense. Um, well, it feels quite tense to me. Um, and certainly friends and colleagues, um, a number of my friends and colleagues uh, are uh, non-British nationals. 
Um, so that's sort of the world in which I exist, um, you know, as a, you know, as a sort of a, as an immigrant myself. Um, those are the people I'm essentially drawn to. I'm kind of drawn to other immigrants. So, so maybe I'm just in my echo chamber, but I am certainly feeling from all quarters or from those quarters, particularly, um, uh, yeah, a sense of, um, yeah, just a, a sort of a sense of uncertainty, a sense of the carpet having been kind of pulled out from from under all of uh, all of our feet, and us thinking, you know, oh, okay, we, we you know, we've we've all lived here for twenty five years or whatever. I mean, I've lived in this country for for twenty five years. Um, you know, <laughs> they'll never chuck us out. Um, and uh, I mean, thankfully, they won't chuck me out because I've, I'm naturalized. I've got a British passport now. But, but, uh, <laughs> but they're they're they seem quite they're potentially quite happy to to chuck anybody else out. So um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's uh, it's not a good time. It's, it's not, not a good time, time to 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 not be sort of you know, signed up card carrying um, <laughs> Brexiteer. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that kind of problem too. Um, you know, I've, I've said on here before that I tend to avoid the news, but only because I tend to get addicted to it. And so this week I'm very much in that addiction mode. Um, sure. But it's that kind of problem that has... There's nothing you can do from sitting in front of your screen reading more stuff to change anything. No. So that's when a practice like what you're doing with the by Harding is just so, it, it's so sensible, right? Because it's like, it takes you away from the screen. It takes you um, yeah. into your body and it takes you into text and, and meaning that is just free from all that kind of churning yeah. and yeah. needless worry. Yeah. And it has a, a it, it has or can have a deeply relational side to it as well. I mean, Kim recommends it's she recommends it's not something I, I, I you know, I, I have yet um, done, but I'd like to think one day I can get there. You know, Kim recommends when you're out and about learning your poem that you do, <laughs> you, you know, stop someone who's walking in the park and you you read or you recite the poem to them, um, uh, you know, co complete stranger, as it were. Um, very difficult for me to do. I'm a, I'm a, you know, bread in the bone introvert. So I, I'm not the person who, who starts up chats with people in parks or, um, <laughs> or, 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 or bus stops or whatever. No, but that but... sounds pretty confronting for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't think she means like pull them, pull them aside. But I, I mean, to give you an example, when I, I, I take the dog out for a, a run in the mornings, we go we go for a little run together in the park. And every morning I and, and I always run with my little poem card with me. So I've got my poem card and I'm generally learning the poems in the mornings. And every morning um, I stop and have a brief chat with this elderly couple who are also walking their dog. And um, so we know each other and, you know, we, we talk about our dogs and whatever. And, and I have thought recently and, I, and I th I'd like to get to the point where I might one day go to them. Hey, <laughs> fancy listening to a poem? And I'm sure they'd be up for it. They probably would um, be, yeah. I'm sure they would be. Uh, but it takes, it, takes, um, it takes a certain 
relational courage um, uh, to do that. And I think, I think there's also a, a path, if you want to walk that path a little bit, um, and I'd like to maybe certainly work on that. There, 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 is, there is a path there also where the poem is not just your own private prayer, but it can also become something which connects you more to other people and to society and, and, uh, and to the world. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Um, I've probably kept you too long already, but I don't want to let you go before asking you about your own poetry writing because we've chatted a little right. bit on email yeah. about the fact that you you are a poet yourself. And yeah, getting I there. just yeah, getting there. <laughs> it's you know, it's funny because I, I run these readings in Melbourne every month and um yeah. I was chatting to some people there on Sunday and it was a similar kind of conversation actually that people who I knew to be 100% um, you know poets like however you define that there was no way that you could say that these people weren't poets right but they too were kind of expressing this sort of hesitancy and doubt like I don't know if I do it enough I don't know if I really can call myself that you know um, that kind of hesitation. Which again, which, which again, interestingly, is the same um, kind of embarrassment you hear when people talk about the, uh, about a meditation practice. Um, Actually, that's well, true. It depends yeah. who you it depends who you talk to. But I often find when you know um, when you're sort of talking to people who are interested in that kind of off record, and people are being honest with you, it's very often a case of oh, you know, yeah. You know, I went and I did that retreat, and then you know, my, my practice was quite good. And then you know, and there's always this kind of like, almost like the shame, this embarrassment, like, oh, oh, I'm not, I'm not doing it as I know John Kabat-Zinn would want me to, which is 40 <laughs> minutes a day, um, you know, on a cushion. Uh, and and I think there is a similar kind of embarrassment and shame when pe for people uh, around people's writing, and, and maybe for similar reasons because there is a kind of a yeah, there is a there is some there is a there is a sense of it being a kind of a practice and a discipline and 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 we know we, we or at least we think we do we have in our heads what is the so-called scare quotes right way of doing it right which is yes. forty minutes a day on a meditation cushion similarly for po poetry we know what the right way of doing it is you know you write every day you're sending off stuff to journals you're working on getting a chat book um, and then you're going to get go for your collection I mean it's it's we know the, what we should be doing and half the time we're not doing any of that <laughs> no that's right because because life just gets in the way and actually Stevens the Stevens myth is a little bit to blame here because he's the poet that people point to when you say, oh, but I, you know, I've got a full-time job, and blah, 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 and people are like, yeah, oh, well, yeah, Stevens yeah. was an insurance agent, um, yeah. a lawyer in an insurance company. And, yeah, just in that documentary, one of his neighbours was talking about the fact that, oh, I would see him walking back from the office at 4 p.m. in the afternoon. Mm. Let's not forget, people, this is the 1950s, all right? Like... Different working hours, different pressures on yeah. people. Don't compare yeah. yourself to Wallace Stevens. Stop it. And you know, and you know what? I also bet you that in the office, just like we spend in our offices, 
um, and, and this is a fact, this is, a, this is not hearsay, we spend about four hours on actual productive work and five hours on everything else, you know, sort yeah. of surfing the net, daydreaming, scratching our asses. Um, I bet you that Wallace Stevens would probably spend five hours a day on thinking about reading, writing, dreaming poetry, and about three hours actually doing work for his um, for his his office yeah um just just like we do and and thankfully he i mean you know lucky him he didn't have the internet so um <laughs> he wasn't he 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 didn't have you know lit hub or the guardian um page to waste time on um he could probably he probably do more time actually thinking about poems mm. so is that mm. something that that concerns you do you feel like you're um you're doing other things when you should be writing or is it what you do write you're mm. not happy with or yeah i mean i think it's i think it's something we're all struggling with at the moment um in different ways not just writers just this kind of again he talks about it in the poem right this kind of um the 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 scatteredness of our lives and of our thoughts um, the need to collect ourselves. I keep on returning to that line. We collect ourselves out of all the indifferences. I mean, I've been on holiday for the last week, um, so I haven't had clients coming in and sort of needing to focus for a number of hours each day externally on on other people and other people's um, concerns. And I've just noticed, you know just how all over the place my mind is and mm. how how much time I've spent you know yeah on social media and on news sites and and it really really does what it does worry me and I do think I think you're you're right I think you use the word addiction I think there there are I think it is an, an a crisis of addiction which I think um I think we're as a society we're all we're all struggling with um and that means that some of these kind of focused spiritual practices we need them more than ever like learning poems writing poems but also we're we probably find that we don't have enough time or that we don't do them enough because we're running around like headless chickens most of the time yeah but it, like an addiction you, you just got to hit bottom right like you've just got to get to the end of of yourself yes get sick of yourself yeah. and then you're motivated to do something like what you're doing here that's how it works for me yeah i mean in fact after this week of um let's call it a kind of addictive uh, almost a kind of a binge a bi binging like you know if i mean i mean if i was an alcoholic i would have spent the week drinking right i've spent the week um tweeting <laughs> 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 yeah. but i say it sounds pathetic but in terms of the actual the way the 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 dynamics of the addiction same thing same thing i mean it hasn't destroyed my liver but it's it's in terms of how it works on my mind same thing but i i have a little bit sort of hit that bottom and i have uh, one thought that came to me just yesterday in fact was right i need i need to maybe think about doing a um you know like a kind of a digital sabbath i don't know if you've you know come across this idea where you 
you'll say take you know um i mean i would probably do it literally for the the i'd follow the the, the time of the of the sort of the jewish sabbath uh, which is not something that i um have ever followed but uh, as that's sort of part of my cultural dna i would i would probably follow the time the timings of it which would be basically you know sunset friday night to sunset saturday night um absolutely no screens no screens no nothing no, nothing digital um and see if that sabbath that digital sabbath can <laughs> can 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 kind of bring help me with help me sort of maintain my sanity essentially mm. <laughs> but it sounds like so, you know you 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 are also working hard at it right because you started this project and i am working hard at it but it's you know it's one of those things that as soon as you start working at it and doing more of it you actually realize how much more you need to be doing um so for every you know for every i don't know two minutes it's like again like with meditation um you know for every for every breath or two that your your mind is able to rest within the breath and you're able to stay within the breath you flit off for another 100 breaths into some other kind of crazy chaotic space um and that then highlights a just how lovely it is being with the breath in the again to return to stevens you know the here now in the here now but but it also it also shows you just how um how often you're not in the here now yeah it's very true it's very true there's always more to do I mean, do you find do, do you find your, your with your writing that writing has for you some of this, um, some of the the some of this kind of this the spirit of this poem? You know that sense of that sense of collecting yourself as in a room in which we rest and for small reason think the world imagined is the ultimate good. Does that is some of the spirit of that? Um, part of your writing practice your writing practice yeah I mean I think the times when I'm writing and writing something that I'm happy with are uh, times when my mind isn't running on four tracks at the same time um, mm. and that is really uh, yeah I wish I was there more often I suppose um, but yeah I don't know just lately uh, over the last year or so I've also become really um resistant to or just aware of how much time we spend beating ourselves up about things like you know am i meditating enough am i writing enough am i meditating the right way you know am i yes am i yes am i looking at twitter too much it's kind of like i don't know that that can become its own kind of extension of the issue and so absolutely yeah i uh, part of i think part of like stopping is actually just the first step might just be like saying it's okay that you that you um did read the new york times in a third browser (laughs) so you could get a sixth article (laughs) uh it's okay that you did that now go outside you know rather than sitting there going oh i feel so awful i'm gonna read another one yes Um, yes so 
yeah. I mean, again, to return to um, the, what I hope will one day in, a, in an ideal utopia be the, 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 the new national anthem. I mean, what does Leonard Cohen say? say, say he says, start again. I heard them say, don't dwell on what has passed away or what is yet to be. I mean, that for me is such an important mantra when we lose ourselves, um, you know, or as you say, when you kind of find, oh, my God, I've sat down to write an email and I've spent an hour and a half surfing, you know, um, whatever, cat videos or something, um, you know, just to be able to say to yourself as kindly as you possibly can, it's okay, start again, <laughs> you know, don't dwell on the fact that you've just, um, you know, pissed away uh, an hour and a half of time um, with, uh, you know, cat videos on YouTube. Um, don't dwell on that. And, and as you say, go outside, go and learn a poem, um, take a breath, whatever. I love it. I love it. <laughs>